the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Paul opens this chapter by saying, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you or beg you or beseech you, plead with you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And how are we to walk in our daily behavior and attitudes? Well, he says in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. And what's the purpose of all this? Being diligent to preserve, not make, not create, but preserve. Notice this, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul has been teaching in chapter 2 and chapter 3 that the church is a single body of believers. And therefore, we are to act and behave as a single body. And we do that by caring for one another, by loving one another, by helping one another to function properly in the body of Christ. And God has made a wonderful provision for this to happen. He has gifted every single member of Christ's body, every single Christian on the planet with certain gifts. to move to a new community and needed to find a new church, how would you go about your search? Welcome to today's verse-by-verse program with our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff. You know, I imagine that some people, when they look for a new church, want to find a church that has, oh, shall we say, the same kind of music as their previous church, the same kind of youth group, and the same kind of preaching. In other words, people tend to want a church that makes them feel comfortable, Familiarity and comfort should never be the criteria for choosing a church home. The Bible actually gives us a great deal of guidance on how to determine if a church is actually biblically sound, if a church is biblically based. Well, today, Pastor Steve isn't going to tell you how to find a new church, but we're going to talk about a biblically sound church. We will be in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, as we continue with this series, Unity and Spiritual Growth. One of the most challenging things for a Christian is to try to find a good church. In fact, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've been asked by people moving to another location if I can recommend a church in their new city. So if you were looking for a new church, what would you look for? I can recall a conversation I had a number of years ago with a man. I met him for lunch. I knew what he wanted to talk about. What it was was that though he didn't go to our church, it was somebody I knew in our area, and he was looking for a new church in our community, and he asked me my advice. And so 
I proceeded to tell him what I thought was biblically important, what he should look for, but it soon became apparent that the things that he considered important in his search for a new church just weren't biblical issues at all. They were really personal preferences. In essence, what he was looking for was a duplicate of the church that he had attended years ago and he loved, but of course they had changed pastors and things had changed there. But he was looking for a church just like that. He wanted a church that had the same kind of music that he remembered from that other church, the same kind of youth group that his children grew up in, and the same kind of preaching and other things like that. In other words, he wanted something that he was familiar with, something that he felt very comfortable with. But you know what? Familiarity and comfort should never be the criteria for choosing a church home. The Bible actually gives us a great deal of guidance on how to determine if a church is biblically sound, if a church is biblically based. For example, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, I think this is where it begins. We are told about the spiritual qualifications for leaders in the church. If things are not right at the leadership level, they're not going to be right anywhere else. So I think that's very important. Church is to be led by a plurality of godly men through whom Christ operates. And in addition to that, you want to look at the congregation. What is the congregation like? Well, Hebrews chapter 13, as well as 1 Thessalonians 5, in those two books, in those two chapters, we read that the church congregation is to be submissive to its leaders. That's another thing that you look for. Is it a church that submits to the leaders, and not just the decisions that the leaders make, but the teaching of the word of God. Where does the church stand on their attitude towards scripture? Is the scripture the authority in their lives? And by way of a negative example, the Corinthians are certainly a model of what a church is not to be. You don't want to go to a church like at Corinth. This church was self-centered. It was a church that was unloving. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 is in 1 Corinthians. Self-centered, unloving, divisive, financially insensitive to the needs of others. So just by way of negative example, you don't want to go to a church like that. And then the churches of Galatia would also fit into this category of what a church should not be. It should not be a church that isn't settled, certainly, on the message of the gospel, the message of salvation. A church that waffles on the doctrine of justification by faith, which is exactly what the Galatians were doing. And a church like the Galatians that really wasn't certain that even the Apostle Paul was a genuine apostle with apostolic authority. And so that's just a sampling. But the Bible gives a number of other indications of what to look for to see if a church is biblically sound, biblically Based. However, in my judgment, there is no passage of scripture that focuses so clearly on the marks of a healthy church as our study tonight. I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to read to you verses 11 through 16. Paul said, speaking of Christ, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love 
We're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, for the past several weeks, we have been examining these verses, and we have discovered that they are really rooted in Paul's teaching about the unity of the church. We see that at the beginning of the chapter. Paul opens this chapter by saying, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you or beg you or beseech you, plead with you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And how are we to walk in our daily behavior and attitudes? Well, he says in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. And what's the purpose of all this? Being diligent to preserve, not make, not create, but preserve. Notice this, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Paul has been teaching in chapter two and chapter three that the church is a single body of believers. And therefore we are to act and behave as a single body. And we do that by caring for one another, by loving one another, by helping one another to function properly in the body of Christ. And God has made a wonderful provision for this to happen. He has gifted every single member of Christ's body, every single Christian on the planet with certain gifts known as spiritual gifts. And these gifts enable us to minister effectively to one another. They are supernaturally given to us. They are not natural talents, but supernatural abilities given to each member of Christ's body to help us to minister to others so that others can grow spiritually and function properly in the body. Paul speaks of this in verse 7. But to each one of us, notice there are no exceptions, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's the spiritual gift that we have. And in addition, the Lord has provided certain men, church leaders, whom he has gifted with certain teaching abilities, teaching the word of God abilities, so that they, by teaching the church the Bible, are able to equip individual Christians so that they mature spiritually. And therefore, note this, as they mature spiritually, they are able then to use their spiritual gifts in a mature and godly manner. Folks, this is precisely what Paul is talking about. If you look back at verses 11 and 12, these are the gifted men. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints. That means the maturing, helping them to grow, making them useful. The equipping of the saints for the work of service. It's the work of their service, your service, as pastors teach you the word. And what's the end result? to the building up of the body of Christ. Now, in these two verses, Paul has captured the heart of what pastors are supposed to be doing. And he's also captured the heart of what a congregation is supposed to do in order for their church to function as a healthy body of believers. Pastors are to faithfully expound the word of God in order to equip members of the church to be useful to the Lord by teaching them scripture and they... The church members then, as they grow by the word, they then use their spiritual gifts to serve others in the body of Christ. And they do it in a godly, mature manner. Not like the Corinthians. That was the problem there. They were very self-centered. 
In other words, when pastors teach the word and congregants use their gifts to minister to others, the entire congregation grows and spiritually matures. The question is, what does that actually look like? What does it really look like? How would you know if a church is growing and maturing spiritually? As I told you last time, you can't determine that by size. You can't determine that by budgets. You can't determine that by just figures and statistics. What do you look for then? Let's boil it down to this. What would you look for in choosing a new church? That is to say, what are the characteristics of a healthy, growing, godly church? Well, that's what the rest of these verses in Ephesians, this section of Ephesians, teaches us. Because starting with verse 13, all the way to verse 16, Paul explains what exactly he means by the building up of the body of Christ, what it looks like. He does this by revealing certain marks, certain qualities, characteristics that every mature and healthy church has. So, what Paul is really telling us is not only how to measure the spiritual maturity of a church, but also what the spiritual goals of every local church should be. What a church should strive to be like if they are going to fulfill the function for which God created them. Now, last time we looked at verse 13, we discovered three marks of a mature, healthy church. Let me review those with you. Number one, a healthy church is a church that is united on doctrine. Notice the beginning of verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And now what Paul means by this is that a mature church, and I should say a maturing church, is a church where there is an understanding and there is agreement on the essential doctrines of the gospel. The gospel. The plan of salvation. That's what Paul means by our faith. He's talking about the content of what we believe about salvation. And more than a superficial understanding of these doctrines that make up the gospel message, a healthy church has a growing, meaningful in-depth understanding of these doctrines. In other words, a mature church is committed to doctrinal clarity. They know what they believe. They agree on what they believe. They know what the Bible teaches about Christ. They know about the various truths that make up the gospel. And they believe these truths, and they agree on these truths. There is an essential understanding. This is where we stand. He's not talking about secondary issues. So talking about essential doctrines of the faith. That's what Paul means until we all attain to the unity of the faith. This is not our personal faith. This is the content of the gospel. So a healthy church is a church that is united on doctrine. Doctrine is important. Second mark of a maturing and healthy church is that in addition to being united on doctrine, a healthy church is secondly knowledgeable about Christ. Notice as Paul continues in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and notice this, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, none of us are going to know Christ as well right here in this world as we will in the next. So he's not talking about perfect knowledge, but he is talking about being united in the knowledge of Christ And not simply a knowledge of him in salvation. We all have that if you're a believer. But Paul is talking about knowing Christ in a deeper way. In a more intimate way. In a very personal way. It is the knowledge of Christ that Paul himself longed for when he cried out in Philippians 3.10. Oh that I may know him. You see a healthy church is a church where people are taught about Christ. 
He is the head of the church. He is the center of church life. And they long to know him better. It is a Christ-centered church so that they are growing in their understanding of who Jesus really is, his character, his attributes, what exactly he accomplished on the cross, what he'll do in the future in terms of prophetic truth. It is a church where Christ himself is the focal point. He's the center of the church. They aren't just content to know doctrine about Christ. They want to know him better based on doctrine about him. So they don't stop with doctrine. Doctrine is a gateway to knowing him. Third mark of a healthy and maturing church is that in addition to being united in the faith and growing in their knowledge of Christ, a healthy church is made up of Christ-like Christians, Christians who want to grow to be like him. Notice we continue in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's one and two. But notice this. To what? To a mature man. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now what Paul means when he speaks of a mature man and the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ is simply Christ-likeness. In other words, the mark of a church that is maturing is that those in the congregation pursue not only knowing Christ better, but being transformed into his likeness. They're a church that is growing in Christ-likeness, conformed to his very image. They are pursuing sanctification. They don't just learn doctrine. That's important. They don't simply want to know about Christ and know him better. That's important. But this is a group of people who want to be more and more like Jesus in their attitudes, in their conduct, in the words that they speak. They want to be more loving. They're not content with how they are in terms of love. They want to be more holy. They want to be more compassionate. They want to be more forgiving. They want to be more joyful. They want to be more peaceful. And all that goes into being like Christ Churches that are healthy are churches where the people are concerned about their behavior. They want, as I said, because Paul uses this expression, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Romans 8.29, where Christian maturity is reflected in godly, Christ-like behavior in every area of life. So what that means is that there will be repentance going on, there will be confession of sin because we recognize how far short we fall, and the pursuit is always to be like him. Now tonight, as we move on to verse 14, and this is the only verse we're going to look at tonight, we see a fourth mark of a healthy and maturing church, which is that it has, note this, spiritual stability. Spiritual stability. We read in verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there, by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Now, having just spoken, as you'll recall, in the previous verse about what maturity looks like in terms of Christ-likeness and attitude and conduct, notice that Paul now mentions just the complete opposite, immaturity. Specifically, the immaturity of a little child. He says, we are no longer to be children, This particular Greek word that Paul chose to use for children is that of a baby. It's an infant. The word literally means one who does not talk. In other words, one who is too young to talk. That's what Paul is talking about. Now, 
understand this before we go any further. Our Lord made it very clear that in one sense, we are to be like children. We are to be like children in our humility. I remind you, he said in Matthew 18, verses 3 and 4, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, and Jesus had placed a child in front of him, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, in answer to his disciples who always seemed to be arguing over who was the greatest in the kingdom, Jesus said, you have to become like a little child, humble. So we understand that. However, only in one sense, in that sense of humility, are we to be like children. We are not to be like little children in every sense, We're not to be like little children in our ignorance and in our stability because they are not stable. They are not stable at all. And that's the point that Paul is making by saying we are no longer to be children. And he explains, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So with these words, Paul describes what small children are like in terms of how vulnerable they are to being led astray and carried away with error. When he says that they're tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, he means that when it comes to listening to what adults say to them, little children tend to believe anything you and I would say to them, anything an adult would say. We're the authority figure to them. And in that sense, Paul says, they're just like boats, small boats being thrown, tossed about on a stormy sea totally at the mercy of the winds and the waves that carry them. And you know that, small children are like that. They're very gullible, they're very naive, they're not discerning at all. You can tell them anything and they will believe it. Now keep in mind, this figure that Paul is using of boats and being tossed here and there, he was very familiar with that. Paul experienced this. I remind you that Paul is writing to the Ephesians from the city of Rome. He's in prison in Rome. To get there, Acts chapter 27 tells us that Paul was on a ship that was tossed about on the Adriatic Sea. I want to read to you a little bit about this. Acts chapter 27, in verses 14 and 15, we read this, but before long there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Eurachwila. And when the ship was caught In it, and could not face the wind, we gave way, Luke says, we gave way to it, and let ourselves be driven along. It's just by every wind, by every wave. Verse 18 says, the next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo. And verse 27 says, but when the 14th night came, as we were being, once again, driven about in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors began to surmise that they were approaching some land. So understand what Paul is talking about with little children being tossed about. He experienced that literally, physically, on the Adriatic Sea. So what Paul is saying then is that small children are unstable when it comes to what they believe. They don't know what they believe. They believe whatever an adult tells them to believe, and it can change from moment to moment, depending on who's speaking to them. Because, as I said, they tend to believe... Everything and anything an adult tells them. And because they are naturally gullible and undiscerning, they are at the mercy of whatever a grown-up teaches them. 
being tossed about by anything they hear from an adult. Regardless, and here's the problem, regardless of whether that adult is telling them the truth or error. Now, the primary point that the apostle is making is that immature Christians are just like small children in that they also are gullible and undiscerning and therefore spiritually unstable, being tossed about by every new theological fad that comes along. This is why Paul calls the waves and winds that carry immature Christians every wind of doctrine and the trickery of men in craftiness and deceitful scheming. In other words, they are fooled by teachers, false teachers, who deceive and manipulate them with error. Stability is a wonderful thing in life. You know, I appreciated the application Pastor Steve made at the end of our verse-by-verse program today. While it is very important that little children receive trustworthy training from the adults in their lives, it's also very important that as Christ followers, we received solid biblical training so we are not negatively impacted by false teachings. This theme is very much a part of our Unity and Spiritual Growth series brought to us by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. On our next program, Pastor Steve will continue to teach about what a spiritually mature church is really like. One of the marks of a mature Christian is he or she has settled convictions about the truth. This is very important. There is so much more I could say on that, but I'm going to leave that for Pastor Steve on our next Verse by Verse program. See you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.